don't wanna be Just someone that's new I speak my mind so free So you could hear the truth Yeah, know that we all have fear Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. This is The Truth For Youth with Micah Murphy. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening along. Today, we are going to be talking about how, how a Christian, a Christian that was even called a man after God's own heart, a man that was loyal to God, a man that wanted to please God, how could that man eventually become a murderer, a liar, an adulterer? How does that happen? How do you get from being loyal and a man after God's own heart that did everything to please God and serve God to becoming a murderer, to coming so far from God. Well, it's, it's strange to think about, like, how does that happen? But it happens. I'm not saying it happens, it's common in today's world, but I'm saying it's common for Christians to walk with God and then next thing you know, they are far from where they thought they would ever be. So how does that happen? How do you get from A to B? Well, today that's what we're talking about. And it's not probably what you think. It's not you just all of a sudden change your mind, change your heart, and you just decide, you know what? I'm tired of following God. I'm just going to go do my own thing. That's normally not what happens. I'm sure that happens, but that's normally not how it goes. It's usually small compromises, little things along the way that take you a little further and a little further and a little further. And then next thing you know, you open your eyes and you are so far from the path that you originally were on. So how does that happen? Well, today we're looking at a story of King David. And King David, as I mentioned before, was called a man after God's own heart. God chose David because he was a faithful, loyal person to him, that he loved God, and he wanted to devote everything that he could. Uh, He he gave him everything, you know, gave him credit for everything, all his success, all his glory to God. Well, something changed, right? Something happened because David got off the path, and next thing you know, he's down a completely different path. So today, that's what we're going to look at. All right, so our passage today is in Acts. Um, No, actually, that's where he even talks about David was a man after his own heart. So if you look at Acts chapter 13, verses 22, this is what Paul says uh, when he's talking about David. And he said, and when he had removed him... He raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. All right, so there there we have it. There's David being highly esteemed by God. All right, God knew him. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, this is the passage. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, 
David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. And he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, Uh, I'm pregnant. (laughs) All right, so... I skipped a few parts in there, but I hit the most important things in those first five verses. And actually, this whole passage, if you want to read it, it's 2 Samuel chapter 11 and then pretty much all of chapter 12. It goes through chapter uh, or verse 24 of chapter 20 uh, of chapter 12. So what is going on here? Well, let's go back to the very beginning of that. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. So what was the norm? Kings went out with their men to war, but David chose not to. He chose to stay behind. There's the first small compromise that we see in this passage. Now, of course, there may have been more leading up to this that we don't see, that we don't know about, but at least that is documented. It said David was supposed to be out at war, but he chose not to. He chose to stay behind. So he's compromising a little bit right there. Like why? You know, David was a, was a mighty warrior. He was a great leader. So why, why did he not go out with his men? We're not real sure. But then it goes on to say that after he took a little midday rest one day, he got out of his bed and he went onto the roof of the palace. Now, if you just read that passage, you probably don't think much of it, but if you study the text a little bit and you kind of look at the the context it was pretty normal for women to to bathe and kind of bathe on their rooftops well obviously david's in a kingdom and his palace is a lot bigger sits up higher elevation wise and, and even height wise so he's able to see a whole lot so the likelihood of him knowing that women would be bathing and he would probably have a glimpse of that is Highly likely, okay? I'm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was clueless, but I doubt it. David's a pretty smart man, so I'm sure he knew what was happening. So he goes up there. He sees this beautiful woman named Bathsheba, and he decides to send his messengers. And so he said, hey, I'm the king. She's hot, okay? Uh, bring her here. Again, here's the little compromises, right? Didn't go off to war, goes up on the rooftop where it's likely he's going to see women bathing. He's looking around, he sees, he sees a beautiful woman, and instead of just saying, okay, she's, she's hot or whatever, and leave it alone, he pursues it. Another little compromise. Don't know if he had the intention at that moment of saying, hey, I'm going to sleep with her, but he at least sends for her to come to the palace so that he can at least maybe get in conversation with her, but he probably has a plan in place, okay? So she comes to the palace. He sleeps with her. You know, I don't know. I didn't live during this time, but I can imagine uh, if you're a, you know, a young, younger female and you are in the king's palace and he wants to sleep with you, you 
you probably don't have a whole lot of choice. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she could have resisted. Maybe he would have said, you know, fine, but I don't know. I'm sure she was probably pretty, pretty intimidated. He is the king, so she sleeps with him, and I don't know. Maybe she wanted to, but, you know, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Right now, it's all David's plan, so that's what David's uh, planning, and he does, and he sleeps with her. She goes back home, and she ends up pregnant. So she sends the message to David. Uh, David, we, we have a problem. I'm pregnant. So now David has to figure out what he's going to do because he wasn't supposed to be doing that, right? So he's trying to figure out, okay, I've got to, I've got to cover this up. Like, uh, nobody can find out about this. So Uriah, her husband, he's out at battle where David should be leading him, but he's not. So he devises a plan, and he says, hmm, uh, bring Uriah back immediately. Because now he's like, hey, uh, I need Uriah to sleep with his wife so that this baby can look like it belongs to Uriah and not me. So he gets Uriah, he comes home, uh, and he's like, hey, man, look, you know, take, take a break. You know, go enjoy your wife, uh, you know, rest up a little bit, and then go back out to battle. Well, Uriah is a pretty dedicated soldier, and he actually feels guilty that his men are out on the battlefields battling, and he's like, man, I can't do that. Like, I can't just come home and, and enjoy and, and sleep with my wife and all that, so he decides not to do that. Well, that's not David's plan. So David's like, uh-oh, plan A's not working, so then he brings David back, or Uriah back, like the next night or whatever, to the palace. And he's like, man, uh, I got to get him drunk. So, so David gets him drunk in hopes that he'll go home drunk and sleep with Bathsheba. Well, guess what? It doesn't happen. Uriah doesn't sleep with his wife. So before he gets back to David, hey, that didn't work. Uh, this man's not going to do it. He's, he's determined to get back to battle. Um you've got to think of something else. So David, uh, not sure if he just ran out of other options, but he decides that I guess he's just going to have Uriah killed, basically, like murdered. So he sends Uriah back out to battle, and then he tells his, his commander, hey, look, um, I need you to put Uriah out on the front line, and I want you to attack, but then... Once you're engaged in battle, I want you to basically bring everybody back, like retreat, like turn and, and get out of there. And you basically leave Uriah a sitting duck for the enemy. Well, that's what they devised, and that's what happened. So Uriah and several other men are out on that front line, and they go to attack. Um, commander pulls everybody off, and they retreat. They had no... No uh, plan of actually trying to actually win that battle. The game plan was to go in there, attack, and then pull everybody out so that Uriah would die. That was the, that was the battle plan. And that's what happened, and unfortunately Uriah died, as well as other men. So not only did David kill Uriah, he killed some other innocent men just because he's trying to cover up the adultery that he had. So word gets back. Um, Uriah is dead. Bathsheba mourns. 
And after the mourning period is over, well, David goes and, and marries Bathsheba. And he's uh, going about life. Well, God's not happy, obviously. So God lets his prophet Nathan know the truth and tells Nathan. And so Nathan calls out David. Um, and it's kind of a, a neat little story how he does that. But basically, he, he calls David out and in a way that makes David realize what he's done. Because I think, you know, David was kind of in this little fantasy world of just kind of doing his own thing and wasn't really, you know, necessarily paying attention. And when Nathan calls him out, he, his eyes are opened, the blinders are off, and he realizes, what have I done? Like, how have I gotten to this point? Like, I was in this great relationship with God where everything I did was centered and focused on God. And now here I am. I've committed adultery. I've, I've lied. I've schemed. And now I've committed murder. Like, what have I become? And he truly is sorry, and he, and he mourns, and he repents, and, and he knows God's judgment is coming. And, and God does, um, you know, have some, some punishment for, for David and Bathsheba. But ultimately, David, David comes back around to God and is like, you know what? That's, that's justified in what you've done, God. I, I sinned. I messed up, and I'm truly sorry. But it just goes to show you, I really don't believe David would have ever gone from walking with the Lord and being a man after God's own heart, it said a man that was loyal to doing God's work, to becoming a murderer. It doesn't just happen overnight. Again, it can, but the majority of the time, it's a slow, steady process of little compromises, just a little bit here and then a little bit here and then a little bit here. And next thing you know, you are way, way off the path. You know, we can even look in terms of, you know, people today. And I, and I for some reason, I regularly think about alcoholics and drug addicts. Like, you know, good and well. None of the drug addicts in this world and none of the alcoholics set out to be that. Like, I guarantee you, none of those people set out to do that. I mean, maybe there was one or two weirdos that, that wanted to do that. But come on, you know, majority of those people, that's not what their intention was. When they took that first you know, hit of drugs, whatever it was, and even however small it was. Maybe it was smoking just a little bit of weed, right? It's an innocent drug, quote unquote. It's not innocent, but I'm just I'm saying that because that's what a lot of society says. And of course, it's become legalized more and more for recreational and use, whatever. But um, so you take something like that. And then what you see a lot of times is that doesn't do the job quite well enough, right? Maybe the high is not strong enough or whatever, and it doesn't happen all the time, but most people don't go from never doing any drugs to doing like seriously hard, 
crack cocaine, heroin, meth, or whatever. Like it rarely happens. Most of the time, it's a progression, right? It's, it's maybe even starts with, I don't know, vaping or, or smoking cigarettes or, or something small, maybe taking a couple pills or something, painkillers or something that leads to a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger, you know, feeling of, of ecstasy or, you know, numbness or whatever it is, right? But those people never took that first hit or, or first high or whatever it was saying, man, I'm going to end up a drug addict. I cannot wait to the day that I'm homeless and I'm broke and I have all these sores on my body and I look disgusting because of the drug abuse. And all I can think about all day long is how am I going to steal enough money or prostitute myself or do whatever I have to do to get a little bit more money so that I can go get that next hit. Like, that's not a good life. <laughs> I hope you realize that that's a miserable life. And if you've ever watched documentaries or seen that or experienced that with a family member or friend or something, it's awful. It is awful. But that's the reality of a lot of drug addicts. Let's look at alcoholics. Same thing. I guarantee you, alcoholics didn't take that first sip of alcohol saying, man, I cannot wait to become an alcoholic. I cannot wait. I'm going to lose my spouse and my family and my kids and my job one day because I just can't stay sober. Like that is the life that I'm looking forward to. And that's what I'm going to pursue. Like that's crazy, right? Like that doesn't happen. They think, oh, it's, it's harmless or it's just this one time or it's just, you know, I, I can stop it or I can control it. It's not going to consume me. It's not going to uh, grab a hold of me. It, it's, it's not. It's not going to become an addiction. That's the mindset. But then it's like a little compromise, right? Just a little compromise. And next thing you know, and I know it doesn't happen to everybody, right? Not everybody that smokes weed becomes a drug addict. Not everybody that drinks alcohol becomes an alcoholic. But you don't become an alcoholic if you never drink alcohol. Right? That's, that's the truth. You never become a drug addict if you never do drugs. Now, I know maybe prescription drugs and maybe you have painkillers and you become addicted that way. But right now I'm talking more of the, of the uh, recreational drugs, okay? If you never do it, you'll never become addicted to it. Just that, that's the way it happens. So those small little compromises will lead you down a path and guarantee you those people never in a million years imagined that that's what their life would look like years ago when they were probably doing it recreationally or, you know, occasionally or never had done it. I've talked to a lot of people in my life and several that are way down a path that they never thought they'd be on, said, I really never imagined I'd be here. I never imagined it. And honestly, I can't imagine it either. Like some of the people that have gone down paths, I never would have imagined it. And I know that it didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't just a one-time decision of, hey, I'm going to make this bad decision, and next thing you know, I'm way away from God or, or way down this destructive path. It's little bitty compromises, guys. It's little bitty compromises. 
another little analogy. If you ever have you ever gotten lost, you know, whether you're driving or in the woods. I remember as a kid, I used to always go play in the woods with friends. Um, you know, this was kind of, you know, obviously pre-technology, cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. Like, it's kind of weird to think I used to go just run around the woods like pretty much all day long and then come back at night. Like, my parents had no clue how far off in the woods I was, where I was. We just went and did it. Um, and sometimes we would kind of get lost. And it doesn't just go from being in my backyard to the middle of the woods and lost, right? No, it's it's little bitty steps along the way. Like I would start following a path and then maybe I'd take a, a left or a right or this turn or that turn or I'd go over this hill and down this valley and follow the creek this way. And next thing you know, like I'm not real sure where I am. But it was a matter of steps and progression that got me there. It didn't just go from my backyard to the middle of the woods lost. Guys, it's always little steps and it always seems innocent right you you always think you know, oh I know where I'm going right I I didn't enter in the woods thinking I, with the intention of I'm going to get lost right like I went in the woods thinking oh I know where I'm going and and I'm going to follow this path and then you know I'm going to do whatever and then we're coming back you know do some hunting or uh, you know finding stuff do some uh, just exploring and then come back not having the intention of getting lost. Guys, I cannot tell you enough. You have to be careful. You have to be cautious. You cannot compromise on the small things. Little compromises will lead to bigger compromises. Little compromises along the way will get you lost. It'll take you down a path that you never intended to go down. I'm telling you guys, that's how it happens. You know, if Satan, you know, all, you know, imagine the the worst picture of Satan that you can imagine, right? The, the big horns, the, you know, maybe he's on fire, he's red, he's got his pitchfork. If he beat on your front door and said, you know, in this evil voice, come with me, we're going down this, this path of destruction and death. We're going to disobey God and you're going to follow me forever. I, well, I mean, <laughs> we would slam the door and run for our lives, right? Like and start praying, oh my, you know, oh God, please, you know, help me. You know, don't allow this to happen. But that's not how it happens, right? Like that's not the way Satan approaches us. That's not how sin approaches us. It's always in a small, appealing way that seems innocent, that seems harmless, because if, we're, if it were so obvious like that, you know, again, hey, take this hit of drug and you're going to be a drug addict and, you know, homeless and broke. Of course, you're not going to do it. But that's not how the knot comes. It's a little innocent, you know, attractive person at the door. And it seems somewhat innocent, somewhat harmless but you know that that's probably not the right thing to do, but it's a small compromise. And so you're like, ah, you know, it's, it seems okay. It looks okay. You know, it looks kind of harmless. It looks kind of fun. It doesn't look scary. It doesn't look evil. But in reality, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. It says that Satan comes prowling like a lion. Right? It's, just, it's not that big knock on the door that's beating down the door. 
If you've ever watched any of the wildlife videos, I encourage you to look on YouTube or look it up. Um, watch how a lion will just kind of prowl. It'll get real low in the tall grass, and it'll kind of stalk, right? It, it's looking for the weak um, animal in the herd, right, or the baby or small or a little gimpy, right? And it's just kind of watching, and it's prowling, and it's low, and it's stalking, and it's real quiet, real slow, real stealthy. And then at the right moment, it lunges, and it goes full speed, and it attacks, right? And then it digs its claws in and its teeth in, and it grabs a hold, and it doesn't want to let go until the animal's dead and devoured. That's the way lions attack. That's what it says Satan does. That's how Satan attacks, right? He's like that lion that's prowling, that's very stealth. That's what he's looking for in your life. He's looking for those little areas that are your weaknesses, and he knows them, right? And he's prowling along, slowly, stealth mode, coming after you until he can get his claws in, until he can get his teeth in and hold on to you and hopefully destroy you. That's what it says. He comes to kill and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. And it starts with small compromises. Little compromises. Guys, I cannot stress it enough. Don't give up. Don't give in to the little compromises. Stay the course. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep making the the wise decisions. Keep seeking his guidance. Keep seeking him for your help, for your strength, and be aware, right? Be cautious because the little compromises will get you in the end. Guys, thanks for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. If you're finding value in this podcast or another podcast and you think, man, this is This is something that I think a friend or a family member or somebody that you know will benefit from. Share it with them. You know, give them the link or, or, you know, whatever you need to do. Share it on social media. Uh, But I would really appreciate that, guys. And if you have not, um, please review the podcast. You know, give it a a review. Give it a a rating so that others will find it. Others will will benefit from it as well. Um, Guys, and that's it for the podcast, and we will see you in next week's podcast. Until then, remember, stay focused on God, right? Keep seeking Him, stay dedicated, persevere, and do not compromise. Do not give in to those little compromises, as innocent as they may seem, because it can lead to a very dangerous and destructive path. Love you guys. Bye-bye. I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no.